Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. You know, the Bible gives us pictures of things that happen. The Bible is not just a history book. We've talked about that for some time. It gives us an accurate record of history, but it's not just a history book. The Bible is better used as a road map. God shows us things that happened so that we can see other people walking through life and we can know how to apply the truths of his word, what God will do to help us in situations, out of situations, and just exactly what we can expect from God. So the Bible is best used by us as a roadmap. And this morning, I want to challenge you to do two simple things. Number one, I would like to challenge you to make this morning's word all about you. Not about your family or your friends, your enemies, or somebody else in life. But see if you can apply the word today, at least some facet of this word, to your life. I am going to be talking about a lot of things, okay? So make this about you. Number two, I'm going to ask you to see if you can find yourself somewhere in this story. It always helps me when I read the Bible. When I'm reading the Bible stories... Because I do believe they're a roadmap for life. I try to find myself somewhere in that story. Who am I there? Sometimes when I read it a month later or six months later, same story. I can identify with a different situation, a different circumstance, a different person. So that I'm always able to to know what I should do. Do I want to be like that person? Do I want to end up where that person ended up? Or do I want to not be like that person? If I don't want to be like that person, then perhaps I should make some different choices than what they made as I'm reading the story. Okay? So remember, it's about you. Try to find yourself where you are. And then ask yourself, what can I do about what I'm hearing today? Okay? All right. Hebrews chapter 11. When we get to Hebrews chapter 11, it's telling us about heroes of faith. People that really trusted God in situations of life. Situations that are not uncommon to the situations many of us may face in life. Disappointments. You know, uh, betrayals, you know, uh, sickness, you know, uh, enemies, war, all these kinds of things. And particularly, one of these verses talks about a woman who lived in Jericho. Her name was Rahab. Many of you might know that Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was a prostitute. Not only that, but we get an indication that Rahab owned a house of ill repute. She owned a bordello, if you will, okay? It was there on the wall, and here not only was she a harlot, but she, but, uh, she evidently was pretty good at her business, and she probably had some others working for her. She at least owned a house. She at least had a business. And there came a time when the children of Israel were ready to follow Joshua across the Jordan River. They were ready to go in and start possessing the promised land. But before they went across the Jordan River, before the children of Israel began fighting with their enemies, Joshua decided to send two spies into the land of Canaan. Specifically, he sent them to the city of Jericho. Now, I'm not sure why 
these two young boys, maybe, maybe 30 or 40 years old. I'm not sure why, but we find out that the very first place they go when they get out of the desert is they go to Rahab's house. Maybe it was a place they could get something to eat. Maybe it was a place they could get something. Maybe it was open. Maybe there were a lot of business people there. Maybe it was like something like one of our, you know, uh, lodgings or a bar or something. This isn't the big rain the Bible talked about, is it? Maybe, maybe they went there because God sent them there. Well, Rahab noticed that these young men were different. These young men spoke different, they acted different, they dressed different, and she realized that they were a part of the children of Israel. They were Hebrews. They were camped right across the Jordan River. And these were the people that had a God that went before them and had a God that destroyed all their enemies. And Rahab and all the people of Jericho had been afraid of these Hebrews. They had been afraid of the children of Israel for 40 years. They knew that the God of the Israelites were, was, was going to mow their city down and were going to destroy all the enemies in the land of Canaan. And they were just waiting for that to happen. Well, Jericho was a trade city. It was a city where all kinds of foreigners came through. From the north to the south, it was on a trade route. It's the oldest continually inhabited city on planet Earth. There are, you know, oases there, many oases and palm trees. And there's, you know, it's, it's in the desert. It's in a valley that's 1,200 feet below sea level. I mean, if the sea spilled over into Israel, it would fill up that valley 1,200 feet above the city. Being in that climate... It was perfect weather for a year-round trade route. So they were used to having foreigners there. They were used to having all kinds of people come and stop by there. You know, but these two young men were different. Not only do I believe God sent these young men there, but I believe that God had been dealing with Rahab for a long time. God had been dealing with her heart and dealing with her mind and she was more ready and more prepared than she ever imagined because she had a calling of God on her life. There was something God wanted her to do. There was something God needed her to do that she could do better than anybody else. She had been living her life not realizing how special she was. She had been just going through the motions of life and business without recognizing that she had a special call of God on her life. I think we do the same thing. I think we each have a call of God on our life. I think there is something special that you are called for that you can do better than anybody else and that God needs you to do. And just like Rahab, you can be going through the motions of life. God preparing your heart and God preparing your mind and not realizing that there's something special that God has for you. And it's on its way. Well, 
these two young men get there and pretty soon people start leaving and telling the community that, hey, two of those Hebrew children are in town. And, and so the leaders of the city send to Rahab and say, bring out those men. Those are the ones that are our enemies that, 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 that we've been fearing for 40 years. Bring them out so we can arrest them and so that we can you know, uh, uh, do what we wish to them. And, and Rahab, instead of bringing them out, she took them up on the roof of her house. Perhaps you've read the story, Joshua chapter 2, Joshua chapter 6. She took them up on the roof of her house and she hid them under some bushels of grain. And, and then she came and told the leaders of the city, these men are already gone. They probably went back toward the river. Uh, if you go now, you can probably catch them. And so they left and went toward the river. The armies went out looking for them. They looked for them for three days and did not find them. Meanwhile, Rahab went up on the roof and she said to these two young men, she said, listen, I know that your God is a powerful God. And I know that, that you guys are going to come and, and, and you're going to fight against us and you're going to, de to defeat us. I understand that. I know that. How did she know that? She, had that? she just had that heart knowing that something was going to happen. They all believed it. She said, but what I want from you is I am willing to hide you and protect you. I'm willing to help you escape if you will remember me when you come to this city. When this city is destroyed, Please don't kill me or my family. And they said to her, well, because you have showed us this kindness, because of this, we will make a covenant with you. You take this red piece of rope and you hang it in your window that goes down to the outside of the wall of Jericho. And whenever we come to destroy the city, anyone that is in your house, your family, your friends, anyone you bring into your house, will be saved. We will not kill anyone in your house. But if they go outside of your house, their blood is not on our hands. She said, okay. She took that same rope and she let them down off the wall and told them to go to the mountains and wait for three days. And they did. And then they went back to their camp. The time came when Israel had crossed the Jordan River and they had marched around Jericho one time each day for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around Jericho seven times. And with the trumpets blowing and the shout of the people, the walls came tumbling down. And there was a red rope hanging outside a window on the wall. It was Rahab's house. And the Bible says that every person that Rahab could convince to come into her house, every person was saved saved and safe. Every person was protected. But those outside perished. Wow. Hebrews 11th chapter verse 31 says, by faith. You see, Rahab did this by faith. She did this because she put her trust in something that, 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 that she could not see, in something that, 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 that she only felt in, in, in something that had been working on the inside of her that she probably couldn't identify with, something she had not known before. It was the God of the Hebrews. It was almighty Jehovah working and preparing her heart. And by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. She did not perish because she believed when she had received the spies with peace. Why didn't Rahab perish with the rest of her friends and neighbors? It's because Rahab was special, but everyone is. Rahab was not only special, but Rahab had some other things working for her. This morning, I want to give you five essentials that every harlot needs to be her best.
okay? Are you ready? Five essentials every harlot needs to be her best. As I said, find yourself somewhere in this story. <laughs> in order to truly succeed in life, every harlot needs a call from God on their life. You see, every harlot needs to recognize that they have a call of God on their life, that something special is working on the inside, in their heart and in their mind. Of course, all harlots and every person, every individual for that matter, everyone has a call of God on their life. It was given to you and given to Rahab before the foundation of the world. Every person is special. Every person is born on purpose. And every person is called by God. There is something that God wants you to do. There's something that God is preparing you to do. There is something that you can do better than anyone else. You are special. Responding to the call of God on your life is the first critical key to your success in life. Without respect to where you are, but for a harlot, what she needs to be the best in her life, what she needs to be truly successful in life is that she needs to recognize that Almighty God has a plan for her life, that Almighty God has a call upon her life, that there's something special she can do, that she's just not one of the billions of people, but that God sees her individually and that God wants her to respond to him and responding, recognizing and responding the call of God is the first critical key to anyone's success. What else will it take for a harlot to be at their best? Number two, it takes a willingness to change. You see, it's not really hard once God has worked in our heart and worked in our mind, it's not really hard one day to realize, even in the midst of a difficult situation, to realize that something is happening in my life. A new desire is springing up. A new heart, a new thought. There's something now I want that I didn't want before. It's horrible to be without a desire. It's horrible to be aimless and listless. It's horrible to, to live a life and you, and, and, and you know you're living so far beneath your potential, but you have no desire to change. You have no desire to love. You have no desire to forgive. You have no desire to give. You have no desire to have patience. You have no desire to encourage others. It's horrible to be in a place where you have no desire to do the will of God. But by the grace of God, God working in your life, he can stir up a desire and he can make you see that he still has a plan for your life. But even then, we must be willing to change. You see, nothing changes till something changes. You can be called, you can be purposed, but until and unless you are willing to change, things never will. Most people who fail would not have failed if they had have changed. The biggest reason people don't change is just because they don't want to. 
They don't have a desire to. If that's you this morning and you know that you are living beneath your potential or you know you are living in sin, you know you are entertaining sinful thoughts. If that's you this morning and you cannot connect with a desire to change, if you're left in a loveless situation, in a situation where you feel like you, you just can't forgive, you know you should, but you just don't feel like it, you just don't want to, you can't find the willingness, ask God to give you a desire. Ask God to, to strengthen your hope and give you a willingness to change. It begins with a willingness. Change begins in the heart and the mind, and then it's proven by our actions. Rahab changed. Rahab's even changed sides in the middle of a very difficult situation that her and her community were going through. Rahab believed it was better for her to change. Even when her friends and her family didn't, it was better for her to change than it was for her to just keep going down that road to stand by and go to hell with her friends. There's no reason for you to go and spend an eternity in hell or to live in the hell of this life if a little change will fix it. There's no reason for you to be delivering someone else into horrible moments frustrations, irritations, aggravations, when a little change on your part would fix it. You might say, but I just don't want to. That's the problem. Ask God for the want to. The grace of God can give you that desire and that willingness to change. What does every harlot need in order to be at her best? Number one is to recognize the call of God on her life, that she is special. Number two, to be willing to change. And number three, to possess, to work on, to build up, to earn, to somehow get to the place in life where you have an anti-fragile quality of life. What does that mean? Well, that's a real term, fragile and anti-fragile, okay? The anti-fragile quality of life means that we are not soon shaken by the things that are shaking around us, by the things that disappoint us, by the things that pressure us, by the things that cause us stress, that we, instead of getting weaker in trouble, we get stronger in trouble. There are people who have worked and worked and worked very hard on becoming anti-fragile so that the things that take most people under, the things that make people quit, the things that make people want to just give up, just don't in their life. The Bible says about the children of Israel in Exodus, the first chapter, that the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. There is some quality of life that God can bestow upon us so that these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, they work for us, a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory because we are not looking at all the pressures, circumstances, situations of life. Rather, we are looking at the opportunities that God has given us, that we, rather than folding under pressure, we rise to pressure, that stress and pressure actually and chaos and all those other things that, that seem to mess up people's lives, that we come out of it stronger. We come out 
out of it better. We come out of it more able, more capable, because we have decided that we're not going to quit. We're not going to shut down. We're not going to give up. We're not going to let the devil run us out of town or or, or, or not going to be robbed of joy or of peace. You know, things happen in life. And I'm sorry, but problems come along. But the fact of the matter, you're either going to get better or bitter in life, and you can get better. We need to work on our lives and tell ourselves we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. Rahab possessed an anti-fragile quality of life. She probably got it from growing up in a hard, difficult situation. But she was just not going to quit. Here she is facing the same potential destruction that everyone else is facing. No one else knows what to do. Everyone else, she gets a plan and goes forward. She decides that she's not going to give up, not going to quit, not going to lay down and die. She's going to fight. And if she goes down, she'll go down swinging. A diamond is nothing but an old piece of coal that made good under pressure. More millionaires came out of the 1929 stock market crash than ever before in history from any single event. Why? Because of this anti-fragile quality. We can't just be wanting to quit at everything, every obstacle. Get a mindedness about you that these light afflictions work for us, not against us. Stress poisons some people. But those with this anti-fragile quality, those that have decided that they, they are just going to keep on keeping on, they gain strength from chaos, disorder, and stress. More than just the ability to endure, this quality gives us the ability to gain in the face of uncertainty and adversity. Well, those three things are important. I've got two more, okay? Number one, now they need to recognize Every harlot, in order to be her best, needs to recognize the call of God on her life. She's special. Number two, she's got to be willing to change. Okay? Number three, she can't just go quitting at everything that comes along. Okay? Number four, every harlot, in order to be at their best, they need a benevolent benefactor that's chosen by God. It's not the truth that you can make it on your own. You can't. Rahab couldn't have. Rahab needed someone to be a benevolent benefactor, someone to be used by God to open the door, to give her an opportunity, to give her a chance. You know, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And until who you know gives you a chance to show what you know, what you know doesn't matter. But when who you know gives you a chance to show what you know, you better know because if you don't know, everybody knows you don't know. (laughs) Who you know. Who you know is the key to everything. If who you know gets you into heaven... Who you know works for everything else. Who you know opens the door. Here, Joshua was used by God to give Rahab a chance to change. Everybody needs a chance to change. Everybody needs a benevolent benefactor, somebody that's not going to charge you for all of your yesterdays, somebody that's not going to imagine that you're in a box and you can never get out of it. Do you know my brother would never have come to my church? He would have been laughing for the last 40-plus years about me being a preacher, and some people still are, if he had judged me on my past, if he had judged me as that little knothead boy 
that ran around in shorts and shirtless and no shoes and was dirty all the time, the guy that took shaving cream and put it down the well so nobody could drink, the guy that did, you know, that, that, uh, that you know, hit my dad, uh, well, he actually hit my dad on the head with a ball bat when he was sleeping. But other than that, my dad wouldn't wake up. My mom sent him to wake up. My dad, my dad wouldn't wake up. So he took a ball bat in there and hit him on the head. Wake up, daddy. But somebody, somebody is touched by God. Somebody's touched by God to give you a chance. A new chance, a fresh chance. Isn't that pretty good? Somebody might yet be willing to marry you. After dating you for six weeks and hearing about all the stuff that happened. Somebody who knows you might still be willing to employ you. God gives us benevolent benefactors in our life. We need to pay attention to those people that God is using to promote us or to give us an opportunity because without it, we don't get it. The Bible says when you give, it's given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. God uses men. God uses us. Listen, Rahab needed a benevolent benefactor chosen by God. Not just somebody come along wanting to take care of you, but somebody chosen by God for her. Just like Ruth needed Boaz. Just like Rebecca needed Isaac. Just like Mary needed Joseph. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she needed someone chosen by God to help her in this situation, without which it would not have been the same story. Just like we needed Jesus. You see, our ultimate, ultimate benevolent benefactor, his name is Jesus. Chosen by God for us to give us another chance, to give us a fresh opportunity. But also there are many others chosen by God in our lives. And this is the big point. Whose benevolent benefactor are you? There's someone out there that needs another chance. There's someone out there that needs their past forgotten so that they can step into their future and they need someone to trust them, someone to believe in them, someone to encourage them, someone to give them a chance. For Rahab, one of the ones that gave her the chance was a man named Salmon. Salmon was a prince. He was the prince of Judah. Wow. Salmon was from Judah. He was a prince of Judah. Now, most likely he was one of the spies. Went in, when, they, when, when the falls came tumbling down, Joshua said, okay, go and get, and they went and got Rahab and her family and everybody that was in her house and they brought them out to safety. Well, Salmon, the prince, he didn't see Rahab's past. All he could see was Rahab's future. And he took Rahab home to mama. Can you imagine bringing Rahab home to your Jewish mama and saying, hey, mama, look, I'm going to marry this harlot. I'm not sure it was the most popular thing in town. <laughs> but 
They got married. And they ended up settling in Bethlehem area. And they ended up owning and being, you know, in, in inheriting, uh, uh, claiming all of those shepherd fields around Bethlehem. Those same shepherd fields in which just a few generations later, angels would show up to shepherds in those fields and announce the birth of Rahab's great, 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 great grandson, whose name is Jesus. I'm going to tell you, she had a new day. What does a harlot need in order to be at her best? She needs to recognize the call of God on her life. She needs to be willing to change. She needs to not want to quit at every obstacle. Life can be tough. They need to be tougher. She needs someone to trust her and believe in her and give her a chance. And number five... Every harlot and every one of us, we need the ability to outlive, outlast, and outdistance our past. We need the ability to outlive the past. Without the ability to outlive the past, we are doomed to repeat it. You know, Rahab just got on the right road. She recognized that Something was going on different in here. Of course, things out here were different all the time, but something in here was different. She said yes, and the Bible says, by faith. Because she put her trust in God, by faith, Rahab, the harlot, she was saved. And all of her family was saved because she trusted God. She recognized the call of God on her life. She was willing to change. She decided she wasn't going to quit. She accepted the help that God sent her. And she got on a road and just kept going and completely outlived her past. I have a feeling if Rahab could do it in that desert, so can you. What is it today that you need to do? What is it? Have you recognized how special you are? Do you have a willingness to change? If you don't, ask God. He'll give you one. Aren't you tired of wanting to quit all the time? Chunk that stuff out of your mind. Get it out now. Get it out now. That poor me stuff will keep you in poverty all your life. Just say, no, I'm a child of God. These light afflictions will work for me, not against me. I am not a quitter. I'm a winner. Okay? Get that in your head. Thank God for the people that will give you another chance. And you start giving others another chance. Become someone's benevolent benefactor. And then just stay on the right road long enough. Listen, if you'll just come to church for the next 30 years faithfully, it will make such a difference. Seldom do I counsel any person that if they had not have been here, if they would have been here the service before, they'd have got those answers in that service. 
That's truth. That's why Royce keeps coming. He needs so much counsel. He just keeps coming to church and it stays me and him both a couple hours during the week. That's the truth. I love you. God has a plan for your life. Amen? Amen. The biggest thing is, if you're here today and you're not born again, if you haven't recognized that God loves you, has a plan for your life, if you have not been willing to turn your life over to Him, then today I'm going to challenge you to break through that stronghold. There is a benevolent benefactor named Jesus Christ that God has given for your salvation. At least be as sharp as Rahab. There's no reason to die and go to hell with your friends. Change your life. Put your trust in Him. He will save your soul today.